I don't know whether you know today, but today um, is, would be deemed nationally as St. George's Day. Some people know that, some people might not know that. St. George, the patron saint of England. It's an interesting one because, it, you know, um, Scotland would have St. Andrew, Ireland have St. Patrick. The whole world knows about it. There's, I think we get a bank holiday for those days. But when it comes to um, St. George, the patron saint of England, not, it's a bit more hazy. Uh, it's not a bank holiday. Some people know a bit about it. Some people don't. It's sort of, it's a bit, it's a, it's a funny one. Um, St. George. Stay with me, and we'll go somewhere with this this morning. St. George. So who was St. George? What's it all about? Well, basically, St. George, as much as we can know of the real person, St. George was probably um, uh, a young um, a man of Greek and probably Hebrew parentage, born in the area of northern Syria, um, southern sort of Turkey, the eastern part of the world, um, in the days of the height of the Roman Empire, and several hundred years after Jesus, when Christianity was now spreading around the Roman world. And this um, young man was born into, um, they would be classed as a Roman family of a mixed parentage, and uh, he grew high into the Roman army. Uh, historians have looked into some of the background and, and they found that this, this young man uh, grew as a soldier and got to quite a high rank in the Roman army round about the time of a Roman emperor called Diocletian in the 3rd century. So this is several hundred years after Jesus. And in the 3rd century, Diocletian the emperor, um, egged on by one of his high-ranking generals, decided to persecute the Christians of the whole Roman world. It was one of the first mass persecutions and where people had to worship him as a god and had to, had to um, worship all of the other Roman gods. And for the Christians that wouldn't do this, there was um, mass um, execution. It was a, like a genocide on, on a scale, not just in Rome, but around the whole world at that time. And this, this guy... Um, St. George, or George, this, this young man, who was quite high up in the Roman army, um, decided to listen to God and continue in his Christian faith rather than submit to the emperor. And um, he lost his life. Um, there's a, there's a number, I won't, you know, it'd be too, too, too horrible to say, but the type of death that he had was a slow death. Uh, there's a lot of different stories about it. But anyway, he was a martyr. As one of many Christian martyrs, he decided he would listen to God rather than listen to the emperor. And he went to his death, um, a martyr's fate, and was tortured and ultimately put to death. Coming in later, many, 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 many centuries later, into medieval times... And this story of George slaying the dragon arose. And um, it's probably the whole story. So we've looked at the the actual person. um, But this idea of St. George, a a knight, a chivalrous knight, rescuing a young um, uh, princess and slaying a dragon, probably, uh, most historians look at, uh, arose, probably the idea of slaying the dragon is defeating the devil. It's the the conquest of good against evil. And, and so the whole dragon and, the, and that, that story aspect of it is more of a mythology that's come in, in latter times. And there's this idea of, throughout the book of Revelation, the devil is referred to as a dragon. And there's this idea. And so there's this idea in, Christ, in the Christian world, and particularly the medieval period, lots of superstition and other stories arose. And there's this idea of 
of good, of Christ, of Christianity, defeating the devil, defeating evil. And, um, and around about that time, the sort of 1300s, with that sort of story going around as well, Edward III was so sort of taken with the, the story of, of George, um, he took this idea of, of, of the, Eng- the English, forgive me if, if, you're, if you're Welsh or you're Scottish or whatever, but the idea of Edward III at the time took the idea of the English, of, of this idea of courage, chivalry. And he, he, he came across this story, and uh, although this guy George was from another part of the world, he took him as the, as the, the patron saint for, the, for England at that time. And, and then many years later, England with Wales and the United Kingdom was born many centuries later. And William Shakespeare immortalised um, St. George in his, um, is, it, is it the, the play, is it Henry the, Henry the, Henry the Fourth or Henry the Fifth? Henry the Fourth. Which one is it? Fifth? Fourth? Phil, you're a crossword expert. I don't know. But one of those Henrys, round about fourth or fifth, one of them. Um, but Shakespeare immortalized it with the, word, in the words of the play, um, cry for God, Harry, England, and St. George. It's, it's, a, it's a real um, sort of a one-liner um, uh, I can't remember the king. That's how bad I am. But, uh, but so, and so St. George. So this idea of St. George has grown partly in myth, but the, the idea there is really of courage. The idea there at the bottom line is, is this idea of courage and conviction, dedication and direction. And um, it was taken as the, the, the patron saint. And so there's this idea there of, of courage and conviction. And the thing for me is, is that this man decided to listen to his God rather than to listen to the emperor. And that was courage and conviction. And so that really leads us on to this idea of listening and hearing. And in Jesus the Good Shepherd, Jesus says, um, where, where, so if we, if we are to have courage in our lives, a sense of conviction and hope and direction, then there's this aspect of hearing God. And uh, so much so in John 10, Jesus speaks about being the Good Shepherd. And if we hear his voice... If we hear his voice, live for him, know him and live for him, we will get a real sense of courage, of hope, of conviction and direction and purpose for our hearts and our lives. And so it's that that I want to just talk about for the next um, 15 or 20 minutes or so, 15 minutes or so. There's this idea. So, in, in, so this morning then, I just want to uh, take a theme of life is where the shepherd is. And it's hearing the shepherd's voice. It's hearing Jesus' voice for your life, for my life. And that's where life is. Life is where the shepherd is. It's interesting that for St. George, um, I'd like to think, I can't prove this, that, but going through his mind as he knew the scriptures, in John 10, verses 27 to 28, no one will snatch you out of my hands. My sheep hear my voice, and they know and they follow me. Uh, no one will snatch you out of my hands. He went to his death. Uh, not even death can snatch us from the hands of a, of a loving God and a loving Father. Gave him a real sense of courage and hope and conviction. Something that maybe, whether you believe and agree with the, the British Empire and the founding fathers of our nation, there's been over the years a lot of courage and a lot of conviction. 
It's almost as if we're not allowed to say that. You know, I'd be considered a nationalist if I said that. You know, it's a shame that, that the nationalist extremists have taken the white flag with the, the, the red cross on it. And, and you can't say anything if you say, uh, I, I remember when I was in Scotland many years ago. Uh, Helen will remember the story. England just beat Scotland. I think Gaza scored this amazing, Paul Gascoigne scored this amazing goal. And uh, it was a Sunday morning in the, in, in the, the church in Aberdeen that, that I was an assistant. And I flashed up on the screen, I think England won, Scotland. England three, Scotland one. Up to that point, the place had been uproar. We had a great morning as soon as I did that. <laughs> Looks could kill. I've been, we've been in the church a long time. You know, you can't, you're not allowed. You can be Scottish and you can be Welsh or you can be, you can be Northern Irish. But, uh, so I'm not saying I'm a nationalist, but I'm, uh, there's this something of hope, of conviction, of boldness of knowing something in God, and it's knowing the voice of the Father. It's knowing Jesus, and it's amazing. Jane's, Jane's testimony, great. Now, Jane is a great communicator. I nudged Helen and said, you know, I've heard Jane share before, and she shares beautifully. She's, you're, Jane's a really great communicator, and is, is a good communicator. But that story of hope and hearing, and having courage now, and of not being sad even though she's worked on a certain ward, most of her, uh, you know, working, part of her working life and loved it, but knowing that she's hearing God and the Father and Jesus speaking to her life, I want that. We want that. We want to know that. I don't know about you, but I need that in my heart and my life. And it's knowing and hearing the shepherds, the great shepherd. Jesus is our great shepherd. He's our great shepherd. Uh, I upset someone when I said, you know, trust, trust, trust Pastor Jesus. And if you don't trust me, the name pastor just means shepherd. You know, in our type of churches, the other churches, it's vicar. In other churches, it might be father so-and-so. But in our churches, we, we speak, speak of, of, of full-time Christian leaders um, as shepherds, pastor. Pastor means shepherd. And I remember someone getting a bit upset with me when I was referring. And I was saying, you know, well, you watch the God channel. It's good stuff. But you've got all these different shepherds. And you can, you can listen to what I say. But at the end of the day, trust the great shepherd Jesus, the, sh- the, the great pastor, Jesus Christ. And for you and me, that's what really counts. That's what really counts is knowing, knowing the good shepherd and following him and hearing him and hearing him today and hearing him right now. So it's so important. I believe that life is where the shepherd is. And this is why I believe that. Um, in the east, you see the picture that's, that's come up on the screen there. In the east... Um, shepherds, um, maybe the flocks were, 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 were slightly smaller, but a shepherd would lead, doesn't go behind and drive. It's, 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 a, it's a popular uh, fact in uh, Eastern culture. You may have heard it said. And uh, you can see there's a, there's a photo come up there. And uh, it's, it's sort of from the Middle East, uh, that's taken sort of from the Middle East and the Palestinian and uh, that, that sort of area. And there's this aspect. And so when David writes his 23rd Psalm and says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He leads me. He leads me. You see, in our culture, we have sheepdogs, quad bikes, or whatever it is they go around on. And you have these big, big, you know, um, you know, fields and meadows, and it's all green, and, it's, and, and there's thousands of sheep, and they roam, and you round them up. But in the east, um, for, for half, half the time, the land is, as you see, it was the, the high land, the high ground would be given to sheep. The valleys and the lush ground would be given to, to cultivation of crops and, and stuff like that. 
And so the higher ground is given for, for shepherding, for the sheep. And only certain parts of the year is the ground lush. For half the year, it's baked. And it's, it's rocky in places. And so the shepherd is the one that finds the good pasture. And so, this is amazing. So, so in, our, see, in our culture, we would look upon it as oh, you know, nice, nice green grass and all the sheep run, the fluffy little animals, and they, they roam where they want. And, but in the east, it's really quite dangerous. And so it, the sort of picture that you see up on the screen is pretty typical of the climate, the environment, and what goes on. And so when, in the 23rd Psalm, we go in the Old Testament, and, God, and, and David, who was a shepherd, speaks of God being his shepherd, a Lord, our shepherd, I will not want. He leads me by restful and quiet waters and into good pasture. That's spectacular, because what it means is that good pasture was really hard to find in the dry months. It's interesting, in Mark's gospel, I think it's Mark, it says when there's the feeding of the 5,000, he said, it's either Mark or Luke, one of those, it says he made them sit down on green grass. One of them, Ian Thayers would tell me later, he's thinking about it right now, I can see his mind whirring. And in in the gospel it says he he sat them down on green grass. Why? Because there wasn't always a lot of green grass to sit on, and it was quite a novelty where they were at the time. Interesting one, that, because... In the east, for half the year, it's very difficult. And so there's this understanding in the the east that the shepherd goes before, leads the way, it leads to good pasture, takes them to good water. And you'd have to negotiate rocky areas and high places to find a place of good still water. So it's pretty spectacular. Lush valleys were for growing crops. Pasture was on the hills. And so there's this... So when we, when we read the 23rd Psalm, it's extravagant blessing. It's not just a psalm to be read at a funeral service, which is our sort of tradition. But it's, a, it's, it's to be read for life of God's extravagant blessing and his provision and his leadership for our lives so that we can negotiate the rough terrain, the, the, the hot uh, breath of, of when, when life, we feel like, like we, we, we're burnt and burnt out, then the Lord is our shepherd who goes before us, leads the way, forges a way, doesn't drive us, but calls us and beckons us. So it's incredibly important when then Jesus in the New Testament then says, I am the good shepherd. They understand all of this because of what they read in the Old Testament. The people of the day, when you speak of a good shepherd, straight away they'd understand of this idea of, being led and he, he equating himself with God and leading them into good times and good places. So it's incredibly important. So three things briefly then. If we're to know the voice and to follow him, how are we going to do that? Well, first thing is this. We need to know the shepherd Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and I am known by my own. John 10, 14. I know my sheep and I am known by my own. The word known there, to know in Eastern culture and the way in which Jesus would have been speaking there means this. You have a relationship with. It's head and heart. If I know about something, I say, oh, I know that. And very often we're talking about what we know in our heads. But in Eastern culture, to know had a more total feel to it. 
It really speaks more of relational uh, culture. Eastern culture was very much relational. We, we've come a long way in our culture, which is we can isolate ourselves. And you know, it's a more of an independent cerebral. Everything's with the head, the mind. And information brings transformation. But it's not. We're so informed today in our, our nation you could say, is in, in, a, in a mess in many ways. So it's not just information alone. We need transformation is of knowing God and having a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And so we're to know the shepherd is to know with our head and our heart, not just our intellect, but my heart, my spirit. It's an experience of God as well as an understanding of God. And so there's this idea of relationship. And so to know God is, and to know Jesus and to know the shepherd is to have a relationship with the shepherd. It's not just something that I make a commitment to, talk about, read about now and again, and then that is it. But it's something as an everyday walk that it's as real to me as my husband or my wife or my children or the person or my manager. I, I interact with those people and they're real. It's interacting and walking with Jesus just as real. A man called A.W. Tozer said this. In his book, The Pursuit of God, he writes about knowing and experiencing. And he says this. It's a fantastic book. I've read it quite a number of times now over the years. A classic. He says this on page 14 of The Pursuit of God. God is a person, and in the deep of his mighty nature, he thinks, wills, enjoys, feels, loves, desires, and suffers as any other person may. In making himself known to us, he stays by the familiar pattern of personality. He communicates with us through the avenues of our minds, our wills, and our emotions. The continuous and unembarrassed interchange of love and thought between God and the soul of the redeemed man and woman is the throbbing heart of New Testament religion. In other words, an experience and relationship. So speaking to Jesus, conversing and walking with Right here, right now, as you walk out the door, be, is, 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 you know, is, is as natural as talking to our husband or your wife or your friend or that person that you work with or your neighbour. And talking and, and relating to and walking with is, is just as real. And that's what we're getting at when we're speaking of this idea of knowing. And Jesus said, it's those that know me like that. So going to church can be good. Saying our prayers can be good. Reading the Bible is good. But those in themselves are not good enough. But they they may be vehicles of a way of knowing and helping us get to know God. But knowing God and knowing his presence and knowing Jesus Christ in the power of the person of the Holy Spirit in our hearts and lives is our priority. I don't know about you. But how do you feel if you are walking along and walking down into Long Eaton or you're walking into Derby or Nottingham and you um, can talk out loud? It, 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 to some it sounds like it would sound almost crazy, but you can talk out loud or in your heart or in your mind to the real living Jesus, just as real as the person standing here beside you. And he's concerned about your heart and your life. You can converse and walk with him by the power of the person of the Holy Spirit who lives in our hearts and within us to know. So the first thing then is this idea. And Jesus said, I'm the good shepherd. I know my sheep and I am known 
by my sheep. Second, the second thing is to... Um, so there's this aspect of, of relating to him. And um, in knowing, there's a, there, there's a... You know, we haven't got time to... But to rest, to read, to rejoice, to reflect. These are ways of relating to and knowing. To rest. I, I find that I have to be intentional. To take a moment. When I say rest, I don't want to mean I put my feet up. And uh, to rest in God is to take time to speak to and listen to God. Uh, that's what I'm getting at. Uh, and, and, to, and in that, I'll read. You know, we are, we, are, we are in the blessed position of having all the scriptures. We have got the Old and the whole New Testament. The, uh, the vehicle, one of the vehicles of being able to know and hear God, to read, to rejoice. To, to rejoice is to speak to, 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 to revel in, to reach out to, to, to speak to God, whether it be through prayer or conversation, contemplative, is to reach out to him. To reflect is to take that moment to soak in his presence, to hear him, to hear his heartbeat, to feel God, to know God right here, right now. But it takes a moment to do that. And as we begin to do those things, all of those things together, you find something, you, you know you relate. You feel this relationship. And he walks with He says, yea, though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll be with you. I will walk with you. It's incredible, even in the challenging moments of heart and life. Second thing is, is to, is to um, know his voice. To know his voice is to, the first thing is to know him. If we, if we relate to him, if we relate to this, this, I am the good shepherd, I know my sheep and my sheep know me. If we relate to him, then, then the other thing is that we will know his voice. It says, they hear my voice. We will get to hear his voice. I don't know about you, but we live in an age of so many voices and so many distractions. You could be distracted right now on Facebook or Twitter. There are so many distractions today, aren't there? There are so many voices. I think we have so many choices. There are so many voices and an incredible amount of choices. I would even say that some of the choices we have today are not good for us. It's great to live in a world of choice. That's fantastic. We have go into a coffee place and it's difficult to make a choice. We've been looking at things like bathrooms and bathroom suites. Don't do it. Too many, too many taps. <laughs> Don't do it. We have got, so, I mean, choice is great. Choice is amazing. But we now have people who are anxious because we've got too much choice. And we don't know if this is the right thing to do. We can go through all sorts of doors. Door A, door B, door C. And you're not sure if this was going to be the right one for life. There are so many voices how do we know? We need to tune into the voice of the Father, the voice of the Spirit, the voice of Jesus. You know, there are so many things today. And this is so interesting, so important when Jesus said, hear my voice. It's those that hear my voice. I know them. They know me. They hear my voice. I speak to them and they know them by name. It's incredible. And so the choices we make are, should be based on hearing his voice I'm amazed that, that, that even, even with a little baby, a newborn, after just a few weeks or even the first, the first month or so, that a baby is acclimatized and can be attuned 
to the mother's voice or a father's voice, or both, and both, rather. It's amazing. The bond of relationship between mother and child, father and child, particularly mother and child, in carrying a child. In those, in, it, it's, it's the miracle of life. It's the miracle of God's creation that in that bond, know the voice. Can't speak yet. Can't, can't, the brain's still growing. There's a lot of growing up until the 18 years of age. And in those first few months, knows mother's voice. Knows daddy's voice. It's amazing. And this is what Jesus is saying, the same type of thing. When we know him, when we relate, we feel him, we know him, we walk with him, then we will acclimatize and be attuned to his voice. There's so many voices today. I meet so many Christians, you know, not every good thing is a good thing. You may disagree with me on that, but I have found over the years some of the, some of the choices that we have on offer to make aren't choices at all. They should never have been there. But the world in which we live is pushing the boundaries until there will be no boundary and you can choose to be and do anything. There will come a time and place where we're moving where you can choose to be and do absolutely anything. But anything and everything is not God's everything per se. So we need to know his voice. And so when, as we get to know him and are close to him, we will hear his voice and we'll be attuned to his voice. It's amazing thing is that God knows you. Not only will we hear him as we're bonded to him, but he says um, he knows his sheep by name. Your name is written. He knows everything about you. And so when he speaks, his voice is not just a worldwide, universal, collective voice, but he can tune right in and home, right in on your heart and your life, right here, right now. It's amazing. Hear his voice for your life. And finally, follow him. Follow him. You know, wandering sheep get lost. The shepherd walks on ahead. Wandering sheep can get lost. Wandering sheep can get hurt. You know, we can love God, we can love Jesus, we can desire to follow him, but there comes points in our life where we make choices and we can wander. And there are moments in our lives when we can get lost. And there are moments in our lives when we can get hurt. In the east, you saw the rocky sort of climate that there is and the hilly country. You know, a sheep can, can get wounded, a sheep can get picked off. But the good news is, and this is the good news of the grace of God and a loving father, is that he will leave the 99 and look for the one. That's the good news for us. If we do make go astray, if we do go wrong in life, God will look out for us and pursue us. It's amazing and it's incredible and it's true. The problem I find in life is this, is that we all, I, I think, I say we, I will think from time to time that the grass is greener somewhere else, over there, in that place, doing that thing with them. And uh, that life, and look at this, and look at that, and the grass is greener. I think the key to life is to follow the shepherd, because the shepherd will lead us into the good green grass or the good pasture. You know, sometimes we think the grass is greener on the other side, and we'll go and do that. A friend of mine used to say, the grass may be greener, but it still needs getting cut. That may be true, and it can look really green, and it might be really good, but is it right for us? 
I think more the point, the key, the key to my life is this, and this is our problem because this is what causes me to go astray. This is what causes me from time to time to wander and to maybe to trip up. But the, probably the, the answer to that as we conclude is this. It's to follow the shepherd because he will lead us into good pasture. He's got a good place for you. He knows the exact right place. Just as Jane shared her story about God opening up a door and speaking into her life and leading her on a path and a way, so too has the good shepherd got the right place for you and me this morning. You know, Christ is enough. Uh, He wants us to follow him. Will we do that this morning? The key is knowing him, walking with him, spending time with him, relating to him as real as you and I are to each other then attuning our our ears to his voice. And maybe there are certain times, there are certain doors to say, they may be an open door, but it might be a door to say no to because it's not the one that Jesus is opening for us. Even if it does open, it might not be, or it could be. We need to know his voice. And then it's following him and saying, lead me. I will follow you. I'll look for you. I'm looking out to you. I want to follow you. Let's pray together. We're going to conclude as we worship together this morning. And uh, let's pray. We want you to lead us, Lord Jesus. We want you to lead us into good pasture. And I just pray this morning for men and women and boys and girls and husbands, wives, families, individuals, single parents this morning, for each one in our point of heart and life, that we just want to know you, Jesus. We want to know your voice. We want to follow the way in which you lead. Show us the way. Show us our direction. Show us with our hearts and our lives. We just open up our hearts to you, Holy Spirit, this morning. I want to hear you. It says in the book of Revelation, he who has an ear, let him hear the word of the Spirit. In the message, I love the message, and I've said this so many times before, but in Revelation, at the end, of, to each of the churches, it says, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says. In the message, it says this, let him hear the wind words of the Spirit. I love the translation there. The Holy Spirit is like the wind. There is a whisper at times. There's a call. There is love. The good shepherd will look at the sheep, stop and wait, and call us and beckon us and usher us, and go back for us, and pick us up, and touch our wounds, and draw us. Let us hear the wind word of the Spirit for your life and my life. Holy Spirit, will you speak to us? Will you speak to us as a church? Will you speak to us as married couples, as families, as individuals, as children, as young people? Wind, Holy Spirit, just let the word of your heart, your heartbeat, the warmth of your love, Beckon, touch hearts and lives. Pick up. There are people here this morning looking for direction. There are people here today that just need a way ahead. Jesus, would you just come? Show yourself. Presence yourself. Usher us. You linger. You don't race ahead. There would be times when you'll come back and we'll be straggling at the back, as it were, falling and tripping, and you'll come back and you'll pick us up and say, my beloved, come with me.
I pray for the people this morning that have cried many tears and they feel that their prayers have not been answered. But I thank you, Jesus, that you will leave the 99 and you'll go to that one. You know them by name. Reach out to the broken and the fallen. Guide us in all that we seek to do. We love you. We welcome you. We welcome you. Holy Spirit, we welcome you. So Lord Jesus, we pray that you, we keep our eyes, we keep above the waves. We may step out, but our, our hearts and lives are above the waves, for we keep our eyes upon you. Give us a gaze. Come and amaze. Come and show your heart and life in our lives and in our homes. We love you. We thank you. We give our lives to you in your most amazing and incredible name we pray. Amen. 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 God bless you.